Ramadan and welcome to another episode of Those Podding Muslims brought to you by the charity New Horizons in British Islam. My name's Manish and I'm delighted to say that today you'll be hearing a very special show all about something I never even knew existed. Moon Wars. If, like me, you sort of knew there were differences of opinion in when Ramadan starts and ends, but never quite knew exactly why, well, then stay tuned. Because today I'm speaking to an astronomer imam. Dr. Osama Hassan is a community activist. He's been an imam for over 30 years. Uh, he's a former lecturer in engineering. He holds multiple qualifications from Cambridge and London in physics and artificial intelligence. But he also is a fellow of the Royal Astronomical Society. So who better to explain this annual debate in the Muslim community about the start and end of Ramadan than him? So enjoy. With the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate. Thank you so much for joining us, firstly, Osama. I appreciate your time. So we're talking today about moon wars. What are, very, very basically, if you could just explain, moon wars? Right, so the Islamic calendar is a largely uh, a purely lunar calendar, mean, meaning it's based on the motion of the moon only. Unlike, uh, you know, the conventional uh, Western calendar, which is a solar calendar. But in the Islamic calendar, we have 12 purely lunar months. So each month is determined by the moon's orbit around this Earth, which is 29 and a half days. But what that means is that the month is marked by, uh, for example, the new crescent moon, when the the moon is a very thin crescent. Mm. So Ramadan for, for the fasting and the next month Shawwal for Eid is all determined in the traditional way by the visibility of the new moon. Now, the first new moon, probably most people have never seen it. It's very, very thin when it starts. It's very difficult to see after the sunset on the right day. Mm-hmm. And it only above the horizon for 20 minutes or half an hour right so it's very easy to to miss and the visibility varies depending where you are on the in the world mm-hmm. so the, the the new moon will actually be seen on different days actually around the world um and that causes a variation in different muslim countries starting uh, ramadan on top of that there's another complication which is we can calculate exactly the moment of what's called astronomical new moon or conjunction which is when the moon is roughly speaking Right in between the Earth and the Sun. Right, uh, so you've got a, a big ball in, in your hand in one hand and a and a globe in the other. So yeah, you're going to demonstrate this yeah, now, yeah. aren't so you? So here's the Earth, which spins west to east. Right. And if we imagine the Sun uh, out there shining through the window, which it is. Yes. Uh, as the Moon travels around the Earth like this. Yes. You get the phases of the Moon. We're literally looking at a half-illuminated globe, which is the Moon, but we're looking at it from different angles mm. during the month. And that's why we get the moon takes these different, different shapes. shapes. Okay. Um, okay. Then what's called astronomical new moon, it's also called conjunction, is uh, the calculated point which we can determine exactly, for wherever you are on Earth, we can determine exactly when the moon completes its orbit around the Earth and is in between exactly the Earth and the sun again. We can calculate that exactly, but the moon is not visible then. Right. All right. This causes confusion because there are more than 50 Muslim-majority countries in the world. And they all have a different method <laughs> for determining uh, Ramadan and Eid. They use a variety of either using calculation only, or vis- visibility only, or a mixture of the two. Right. 
and this leads to different dates uh, appearing. Most Muslim-majority countries, they will have an official announcement from, mm-hmm. the, from the government ministry, basically. It's like states yes, you yes, know, they, they declared. Announce. Yes, mm. yes. It's easier there in those countries. Uh, but for, for Muslims in somewhere like Britain, uh, <laughs> where we're, we're very decentralized, there's no single coordinating body, uh, a lot of Muslims have tended to follow the country back home or, you know, where they're ethnically originated for those who are of a different ethnic origin. So, you know, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, mm. Turkey, wherever. And because those countries will often do Ramadan on Eid on different days, you have a, a natural variation in Muslim practice in this country. It's not possible in, in, in Britain, at least, to have um, a situation where you have a, a, you know, a state-declared one. But is it possible to have a centralised... Forgive me, I get this wrong, but a mufti, a grand mufti, to yeah. to explain it, that's not possible uh, uh, in well, Britain, well, is it? Well, some people have advocated. A lot of people have advocated a grand mufti of Great Britain. There was mm. even a, a, a uh, an attempt to set that up. Actually, uh, you know, just over a century ago, Britain mm. did have a grand mufti. Most people don't know this. Oh right, okay. Uh, chap called Abdullah William Quilliam, uh, who set up the first mosque in Britain in mm. Liverpool in the eighteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very loyal to the Ottoman Caliphate, the Ottoman Empire. Wow, okay. Uh, but of course, the Ottoman Caliphate ended in 1922 right. uh, or 24. So it's been almost 100 years. Uh, but there have been attempts to set up a Grand Mufti. Lord Nazir Ahmed tried to bring this up in the House of Lords. He actually tried to get government legislation to to force a state-declared Ramadan in Eid because he thought that was the only way you could solve it. That approach failed because... Uh, there hadn't been enough understanding and debate around these issues to come to a consensus. Mm. But what we can have is Muslim communities coming together. And the Regents Park Mosque from the 1980s brought a lot of groups together and they came up with a, uh, something called the 1984 formula for deciding when to start Ramadan and Eid. And it was based on knowledge of the astronomy, of the position of the moon, but also based on reports from Muslim-majority countries mm. as to whether they'd seen the moon or not. Mm-hmm. That was a very worthy effort, in my view, the two conditions they had, those two factors I mentioned, were actually contradictory. And that's one of the reasons it kind of failed. And also because they were relying on reports from Muslim-majority countries right. who have this enormous variation, as we already said. Hmm. Uh, sadly, that way didn't work. But a number of cities have councils of mosques. So, you know, there's the Birmingham Council of Mosques, there's the Luton Council of Mosques, there's the Lancashire Council of Mosques. In London, a number of boroughs have councils of mosques. These councils of mosques have brought the mosques together to agree on a particular formula on a method for deciding Ramadan and Eid. It could be to follow Saudi Arabia, because that's where Mecca is. It could be to follow the science, exactly the calculations. Mm. So the good thing about this is, this has brought a bit more local unity to Ramadan and Eid. Uh, around the world, Ramadan uh, begins and ends on four different days. Uh, wow. Who do you believe? Okay. Yeah. okay. Three minimum, usually four, because of the different methods. Basically, the same happens within Britain, because people are following different methods. And... Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, in my view. It's a it's a natural divergence based mm. on history, religious practice, uh, mm. geopolitics. But it sometimes divides families. Divides which is families. A, a probably, yeah. So uh, because different regions or different councils of mosques in different parts of Britain will follow a different method. So, for example, you know, if you live in London but uh, half your family is in Birmingham or Leicester you could be celebrating Eid on a different day, which is a bit of a shame if you want to have a big Eid get-together. I see. Uh, that's very common. But even within a large city like London or Birmingham, there's variation. Mm. Mosques within the same locality will celebrate Ramadan or Eid on different days. And again, every year, in fact, just today I was talking to somebody who 
whose family is split. Uh, and it's a shame because they can't celebrate Eid together. Although they mm-hmm. could do the next day or the third day, but you know, the first day of Eid is the yeah. most special one. Yeah, yeah. But there are more, even more serious implications, such as we know of Muslim teachers have lost their jobs because they booked a day off for Eid. Uh, but we never know exactly when Eid or Ramadan is, you know, till the night before, mm. because of this issue of confirming the sighting of the moon. And then Eid has fallen on a different day to the one they expected. So they've basically uh, taken Eid off. It's an unauthorized absence. And they've actually been fired from their jobs for that, for example. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same with, with Muslims working in other public sector issues. So, you know, the only solution to that is they have to book two or three days off in advance, which is not always possible mm. when you're trying to conserve your annual leave. Mm. Or we need a more rigorous method for uh, announcing the dates of Ramadan and Eid in advance so that people know exactly what it is. In, in my view, that's that's the best practical solution. On top of that, uh, there is a lot of scientific literacy in this country. A lot of Muslims, including myself, are very interested in trying to get things right, uh, scientifically speaking, astronomically. Mm-hmm. So we want to confirm that uh, announcements of Ramadan and Eid are in line with what we know from very precise astronomical calculations right. as to whether the moon is visible or not. Mm-hmm. And we know, uh, for example, that a lot of the announcements from Muslim-majority countries are, are sadly unscientific, actually, or, or they, they contradict the science. And what does the the Quran, the Quranic teachings or Islam say about it? Is there is there anything in the te- holy texts? A lot of the religious scholars even reject the use of calculations. Right. They say you're only supposed to follow the natural method of looking at the, at the new moon. So there is a lot of resistance to uh, to the use of the scientific calculations to determine the dates of Ramadan and Eid in advance. There's, there's another reason for that, which is religious teaching. The Prophet peace be upon him basically said. Uh, the famous teaching, f- fast and break your fast when you see the new moon. Uh, uh, many Muslims take that very literally to say it can only be based on visual sighting mm-hmm. and you can't use calculations. Yeah. Uh, because the Prophet is also reported to have said things like, we are an unlettered nation, we do not read or write or calculate. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Muslims became masters of reading, writing and calculation right. in, in the early Islamic period. So there's um, there is dispute as to whether the Prophet meant that just for his time and the unlettered Arabs, or whether it was for all time. Uh, and I would strongly argue that that was specifically for his time. And also, when he said, fast when you see uh, the moon, and, and Ramadan when you see the new moon, uh, that includes a confirmed sighting. And uh, the whole point of seeing the new moon is to know it's there and it's visible. And when you can do that with calculations, why not? Just for the day, just mm. for the daily prayers. Most of the five daily prayers based on the position of the sun. Right. You know, dawn, afternoon, late afternoon, sunset, uh, and uh, nighttime. And for centuries, Muslims have just looked at the sky and decided what the time for prayer is. Now, the vast majority of Muslims follow a timetable with the calculations of sunrise, sunset, and the five prayers. Oh, so, so, so why can't we do the same for yeah. Ramadan and Eid? I That's the basis of, of what you might call the moon wars. There's a lot of heated disputes because obviously. Ramadan is a sacred month, it's a month of fasting, mm. should we say. People take it very seriously and it's a religious obligation mm. on all healthy uh, adult Muslims to fast every day of Ramadan. So, you know, is, is today Ramadan or not when it starts? It causes a, a lot of uh, upset and anger if, if one group of Muslims is fasting and the other one isn't. Mm-hmm. And similarly to end 
and the fast because if Ramadan hasn't ended, you shouldn't be celebrating either eating and drinking. Right. So, and in one group of Muslims is fasting, and on the same day, the other people are eating and drinking, celebrating Eid. It causes uh, quite a lot of controversy. People get very upset about it. But I, I advocate a greater understanding of the issue so that people will be a bit, of, bit more chilled out <laughs> and basically respect each other's views. I think there's no harm in this variation for now, although I would advocate that we should move to uh, a, more a method scientific. which, yeah, which mm. uh, reconciles religion and science and mm. becomes more practical. So that's my view, basically. And I hope Muslims will come together, as I said, you uh, reconcile science and religion. And actually solve some of these mood wars. Yes, solve the conflicts so that we have uh, mood peace. Mood wars. <laughs> Thank you again to Dr. Osama Hassan for joining us on this episode of Those Podding Muslims. You can find more of our work online, nhorizons.org, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For now, though, thank you for listening.